1: Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Today, we're going to take
2: a look at what it means to get started in a journey, a journey called friendship, a journey called relationships, how to get better at every relationship in your life. And this this series really is about a journey. It's not a one-stop uh, resolution to getting where you want to be. There's steps along the way. Every journey requires steps along the way, points along the way, waypoints that we take. And we also need to know our destination. And so I want to start this weekend by laying out where we're going in this series and why this series is so very important. Where do we begin the journey? Where does it all start? And I want to lay out for you the objective that we're heading toward. And that objective, obviously, it's a biblical objective. What does God say about our relationships and what we need to aim for in our relationships? So let's take a look at some verses as we begin our time together today. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 lays out where we all ought to be headed as believers. Dear friends, since God loved us as much as that, we surely ought to do what? Love each other too. So God says that the goal of relationships, the goal of our lives is to grow so that we're doing what? So that we're loving each other. We're loving one another. That's the goal. That's the destination we're moving toward. Take a look with me, if you will, at Romans twelve eighteen. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So love everyone, live at peace with everyone. These are the objectives that we're pursuing. Take a look at this next verse of Scripture. Romans fourteen nineteen. So let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. So what's the objective? We want to grow so we're loving one another, so we're at peace with one another, so we're doing what? Getting along with each other. And then let's take a look at a summary verse of Scripture in the book of Colossians as Paul lays out the broader picture here of what we need to be pursuing in our relationships, relationships since God chose you. To be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others above all above all clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Here we find very clearly where we need to be headed as believers loving one another, being at peace with one another, getting along with each other clothing ourselves with compassion and mercy and forgiveness, learning to have the peace in our own hearts so that peace rules in our relationships around us. This is what we're called to be. and This is what we're called to do in the relationships of life. Now, most of us are not fully there yet. Would you agree? There are times that we don't love as we should love. There are times that we're not really at peace with people. There are times that we're not getting along very well with somebody. And there are times where we're not really clothing ourselves with humility and kindness and mercy and those things that the Bible calls us to. So how do we get there? How do we get from where we are here to get to that point that we're actually living these verses of Scripture out in our lives? Well, I'm going to talk today about the beginning point of the journey. Here it is. Read it with me. To improve, read it with me. Here we go. To improve your relationships, you must improve you. Everything starts with you. I want you to practice something with me today. I want you to to say together, if you will, as a congregation, it starts with me. Say it with me. It starts with me. So if I'm going to improve my relationships, where does it begin? It begins with you and me. Because the common denominator in every one of your relationships is you. It's a simple fact, but you can't ignore it. You have all kinds of relationships in your life. Some of us here are married, some of us uh, obviously have we all have family members that we have relationships with. We have friendships, we have colleagues, we have casual interactions, but the the common thread to every one of those different relationships is you. Okay? You're in all of those relationships. And so when you and I recognize that we're the common denominator in every relationship, suddenly it kind of sobers us up a little bit to make us think about maybe maybe I have some issues. Maybe I have some problems in my life. And not only does it sober us up and cause us to think about ourselves, but it also is kind of encouraging because you can't change somebody else, but you can't change you. Okay, I think most of us have tried to change someone at some point in time in life it is so tiring to try to change another person. It just doesn't work, does it? And so we spend all of our energy trying to get this person or that person to be the kind of person we want them to be. And God says, time out. It doesn't start with them. It starts with you. And this principle goes all the way back to the early pages of the Bible. Let me tell you a story here, and then we'll read a verse in just a moment. You remember Adam and Eve, right? The first couple, first first family, And, of course, they sinned against God. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of that, sin entered into the world, entered into their lives. They fell from the grace and the love of God. And so they began to feel it in their relationship. Their marriage had tension like it had never had before. They eventually procreated, had children, and they had two sons, Cain and Abel. You remember Cain and Abel? Well, the Bible in chapter 4, we're only four chapters into the pages of Scripture. And by the time you get to the fourth chapter, we have the first murder in history. Here's the basic element. I don't have time to go into all the details of the story of Cain and Abel. It's a great story. A lot of principles, things we learn from it. But Cain and Abel both both both, both brought offerings to God. And, and Cain brought the wrong kind of offering to God. He should have known better, but he did not obey and do what he should have done. But Abel brought the right kind of offering to God. And God accepted Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's offering. And, Gai- and Cain became angry extremely angry, probably at some level at God, but certainly at his brother Abel. So he begins to point the finger at his brother and blame him. You're the problem, Abel. If you had not done this, then God would have accepted both of our offerings, and you're the problem, and he was very angry. He was filled with poison toward his brother, and he's so angry about this. God comes down and has a conversation. Actually, it's more of a a statement to Cain. And take a look with me at what God says to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast if you do what is right? will you not be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Is there kind of a theme going on here? What's the theme? Cain, the problem is with you. Let's do our little math today. You ready for some math? Let's count. You ready to count? Count with me the numbers of times you see this personal pronoun here. You ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight times in two verses, God says, Cain, the problem is not with Abel. The problem is with you. And I believe that that sets in line the course of human history. So many of our problems that we want to blame on someone else actually are issues that have to do with things going on in our own lives. And that's why it starts with you and starts with me. Jesus made this very clear as well. He made it clear in this amazing sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And take a look with me at what he says. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation here. I love the sort of the color it provides to this particular teaching of Jesus. Jesus speaks these words, the words of Jesus, the Messiah. He says, refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others and judgment will not be passed on you for you will, you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge your own blind spots and not just acknowledge them. What? deal with them and you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. The old translation says don't focus on the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye. And this is the tendency that we all have to have blind spots in our life that we're not willing to look at. So Jesus is teaching us the principle of in relationships self-awareness. Say that with me. One of the greatest things that you and I will ever develop in our lives, and we're going to need the help of God to do it, and I'll come to that in a moment, is to develop self-awareness. Most of us have other awareness, others' awareness. We're very quick to point out the faults and the flaws and the problems and the the issues in other people's lives, but God says, no, time out. It doesn't start with them. It starts with, with you. So the key to a happier, healthier set of relationships in your life isn't someone else, it's you and me. So if you improve yourself, you're going to improve your relationships. This is true in every realm of life. Let me say to the single people here today, if you want to eventually marry well, be the best version of you that you can possibly be, okay? The more you improve you, the better chances are of attracting someone that you're going to want to spend your life with, okay? Because like attracts like. And so the the more you grow in your spiritual journey, the the greater chance there will be of you attracting someone similarly in your life. And so it's true in every realm of life. Business, uh, marriage, family, every realm. So it all starts with something inside of us. Here's the second principle today. Read it with me. We need more than personal improvement. We need personal transformation. So to improve your relationships, you improve you, but you need more than improvement. I want to draw a distinction between these two words, improvement and transformation. Because improvement is not enough. Most of us have tried to improve our lives before. I'm going to be more loving. And that lasts for a couple of hours, okay? I'm going to be more patient. That might last for 10 minutes, okay? Okay. I'm going to be and I'm going to improve myself. And so I'm going to set the goals. I'm going to be a better person. And so we set all these goals of what we want to be and what we want to improve in our lives. And that's admirable. There's nothing wrong with having these kind of goals and trying to improve yourself. But improvement is not is not something that's going to stick with your life consistently because improvement generally focuses on what is outward. Transformation focuses on what is inward. I'm going to be happier. Well, you can plaster a smile on your face and still be angry or sad in your heart. Okay. But if you change your heart, if you, if you release the anger and find joy in your heart, it's going to change your face, right? Right? So the question is, are you going to go for the outward? Or are you going to go for the inward? What you're going to focus on. And the best return for your investment, the best return for your time, the best, best return for this growth in relationships and in your own life is not for the outward improvement, but to go for the transformation, which only God can do because it's a work that happens inside of you. And for this transformation to occur, you need a relationship with God and you also need, here's the key phrase I want to give you today, it's dangerous for me to have a board, okay? I mean, I I go crazy when I have these kind of boards up here because it's like it's crazy for me to try to stop any rabbit trails I want to go on. But let me talk about this for a moment. You're going to need some experiences with God. This is what transforms you. What transforms you is how you experience God in your life. I'm a nicer person when I spend time with God. I'm a more loving person when I've had my devotions in the morning. Amen? I'm more patient when I've been to church on the weekend. Are you with me today? Why? Because I'm experiencing a relationship that changes me in here. It doesn't just plaster something on me from out there that I'm trying to do. And so if you're going to work on you, working on you involves a relationship with God and to have a relationship with God, you got to experience God. God wants you to experience him. He loves you. He wants to be in your life. He wants to be in your world. He wants to work in you. Okay. In such a way that you're no longer the same person, but over a period of time, you're actually becoming more loving. You're having more peace. You're actually getting to that place where you're able to get along with people you used to not be able to get along with. You're able to be merciful and compassionate to people that you used to really resent and have tough times with and dealing with in a relationship because something has changed, not outwardly, but something has changed inside of you. Okay? And Jesus is being formed in your life. The power of His Spirit is at work in you. And so we're, we're not just looking for improvement, an improvement plan. What we need is we need a transformation of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. So I want to talk to you about the kind of experiences that you need with God if you're going to experience transformation. Any of us want to be transformed today? I do. Okay, I want to be transformed. It starts with me. And I need to be transformed, so what do I need in my life? Number one, you need salvation. I can't bypass this. You need to be saved. What does it mean to be saved? John Newton said it best. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. He said, I was at a place in my life where I was away from God, but God saved me and brought me into relationship with him. The beginning point of a relationship with God is salvation. Salvation means that you've received Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior of your life. You put your faith in him. You've invited him to take charge of your life. You've turned your life over to him. He's cleansed you of your sins. He's made you a new creation. You are a new person inside because of his work. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This is called being born again, okay, it's a real deal, it's not just being religious, it's not going to church, it's something that happens to you on the inside, where you say, you know what, I've met Jesus, you have people talk, you talking about their, their testimony, I met Jesus, well let me ask you, have you met Jesus, this is where it all starts, are you born again, you can go to church your whole life and not be born again. You can do all the religious stuff. You can give away everything. You can be the most generous person in the world and not yet be born again. Being born again means that you've turned your life over to Christ. And this is where it all starts. And so I would ask you today, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you turned your life over to him? Are you born again? It doesn't mean that everything is immediately changed and you never have any problems again. It says a new life has what? begun, it's not finished it's just begun, okay and you're learning now to walk in the newness of life in Christ here's the second, this is an experience that you must have to be transformed happens from the inside the second experience you must continue to have is the experiences of revelation and information from God you need God to talk to you amen now I'm not talking about weird stuff okay you don't need that, okay But by by God talking to you, what I mean is that God begins to speak to you from the pages of Scripture about stuff that's in your life. And He reveals things to you about you. Reveals things to you about His purpose, His work in your life. To reveal the basic meaning of the word, reveal a revelation, is to uncover. We think of it like a light bulb coming on. It's when you're reading the Bible and you say, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. And ouch, that hurts but it hurts in a good way because I needed to see that and along with that little pain it produces a repentance inside of me and I come to God and say God I want you to help me with this I see it like I've never seen it before and I see something that I need to address in my life it's called revelation and revelation gives you the information that you need to live the Bible speaks of this information as wisdom okay wisdom and insight that you have now to live by. So you're not living in the way that you have formerly lived. Look at what Jesus said about this. John 8, 31 and 32, to the Jews who had believed him. So these are believers he's talking to, the Jews who had believed him, just like you and me, believers. Jesus said, who said it? Jesus, Jesus said, it. if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And you know the rest of it, do you not? And the truth will set you free. And so internal liberation happens by being transformed with truth, okay? The more truth you get inside of you, the more that light bulb illuminates your soul, illuminates your life by God's Word. You begin to see it and understand it in your own personal life. The more freedom you're going to have. It's going to break chains in your life. It's gonna free you from oppressions in your life and bondages in your life that you that have held you back. And it will affect in a positive way your relationships. So can I ask you, how are you doing? Are you having experiences in your life where God's talking to you through his word and God is speaking to you about things that you need to see in your own life? Are you opening your heart to God? God, reveal things to me that will help me to grow. Let me see truth that will set me free. And it's a prayer that you and I need to pray and a process that we need to pursue. These are experiences that we continue to need in our lives in relationship with God if if we're going to see transformation. And then you're going to need... To experience something called dedication. I'm going to give you another word for it. You need to learn how to be consistent in this process. One of these days, I'm going to teach a, at least a message, if not a series, on that one word. Because this word will change your life. Okay? This word will change your life. That now that I'm, getting, I'm walking with Jesus, I need to now experience the pattern of consistency in my relationship with him. Why? Because consistency is what changes you, okay? If you say, I'm going to read my Bible once a week, that's better than not reading it at all, correct? But how much better is that if you have the consistency of reading or reflecting on God's Word Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever? you're consistently a pattern in your life, what happens, that consistency begins to build transformation in you because your mind is transformed by the renewing of God's Word in your life. It's a great thing to come to church. Well, I'm going to go to church once a month. Well, that's better than not coming at all. That's awesome. That's great. How much better would it be every, every week of the year, every weekend of the year that you're in church worshiping God? Is that going to be better for you? Of course it will. Anything that you do consistently in your relationship with God is going to move you further down the pathway of change and transformation. Why? Because consistency breaks patterns in your life. See how did you get the patterns you have now? You you got them by consistently doing what you do. Okay, every time you sit down at the to watch television, there's just instinct to get up and go to the refrigerator. How did that happen? Well, you went to the refrigerator a lot. Okay, and now naturally, when you sit down, you don't even think about it. You just say, "Where's the ice cream?" i got to have some ice cream because I'm watching television. You don't think about it because there's a pattern that's developed here. And so the same is true in the spiritual realm of your life. You begin to experience an ongoing process of establishing some things that will change you, that will grow you into the person that God wants you to be. This is an experience of dedication. James chapter 1, 23, 25. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. He doesn't consistently remember this. But whoever looks intently, that's consistently, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. Notice this. Continues in it. Continues in it. Not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. Where's the blessing? It's found in continuing in it.